All right, let's open with prayer, and then we'll start talking about awesome God stuff. He's the Deacon Deacon Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. Again, good morning, Father. We're going to dive into your word now. And what's most important is that my opinion doesn't count for anything. So please get my opinion out of the way that people would hear your objective truths and live by them. Thank you, Jesus. Be glorified. Amen. All right. So here's the big idea. There's some a big fancy word called meta-narrative. Meta-narrative means big story. There's a lot of big stories in the Bible. But the big story we're talking about that we're going to look at in the Bible is the big story of the Christian. So that there's two types of people in the world. There are those who are Christians. They've been called from God before the foundations of the world, and they're going to go to heaven. They're few and far in between. The majority of people don't like God, don't care what the Bible says, hate God, and can't wait to get as far away from him as possible. And they will not have a good time after they die. Things get really bad. They're going to have a tough life on earth, and then when they die, it gets really, really bad. So this is the story of God reaching down and pulling people out, rescuing them from themselves even. And that's what this story is. It's the story of the Christian. Now, the best place we see in the whole world where Christians, where um, the Christian story is there, is in young adult books. There's a lot of, from even back when you guys, before the gray hairs in this room were born, there were books written, the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, all these books that have the same story arc as the new books. It's the same thing. And we'll just mention some of that. Of course, here's some of the new ones that are out. Even Harry Potter, it's, it's a book about wizardry and whatnot, but the story arc is in there, and that's really what hooked the kids. It wasn't just the wizardry. It was the, about a kid who's living in a mundane life. He's actually living in like a closet under a stairwell. And the people are kind of, the adults are oppressive and mean and don't understand him. And he's just, his parents died and he's just not, you know, he's, he's marginalized. And then all of a sudden he gets a calling, right? And the calling is very, very special. And even the grown-ups can't stop the calling. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But you've got the Hunger Games, where, which is a more recent version where again, uh, it's, it's the adults got the whole world all messed up, and they do these games where they elect by lottery uh, children, and the children have to go fight to the death. All right? It's pretty brutal. And so this older sister, the younger sister's uh, picked in the lottery, and the older sister protects the younger sister and takes her place and goes out. Um, even The Hobbit. If you've ever read The Hobbit, which is actually the children's book from J.R. Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, and in that book, it's a hobbit who doesn't want to do anything. He wants to stay at home, and a wizard comes knocking on his door and says, it's time for you to go on an adventure. And then off he goes on an adventure. Okay? And even in... Uh, and all of these books, even with the Twilight books, all right, the young girl's going to school, she's kind of uh, mopey dopey, and all of a sudden some boy really likes her who happens to be 500 or something years old and is a vampire. You know, who apparently became a vampire when he was a teenager because he perpetually spends his years in high school, which has got to be terrible. All right. So, anyway, most of the young adult books 
have two different themes. One is they're dystopias. A dystopia means the future isn't bright. The future's worse. And then they're coming into this future world and the adults messed it up and the teens are special. And they come along and because they're so special, they mess up all the bad. And they bring hope and good. Okay? Even with the Chronicles of Narnia, Lucy and the four finally make it into Narnia to find out they have a special calling because there's a witch there who's got everything into a winter and their job is to make it summer again. And they've been chosen, and we'll get into all the details of that in a second. But what's interesting nowadays, in most of the dystopian books, the protagonist, the good guy, is a girl. Most of the popular books, written by female, art, female authors. Isn't that interesting? So I don't, I, I'm not going to psychoanalyze that. Now, in every story, you have this is the traditional story arc. You have the introduction, the development, the climax, and then the resolution. Now, in the Christian story, there is no resolution yet. It just keeps going into awesomeness after awesomeness after awesomeness. You see, God's an infinite God. And the new heaven and the new earth, not this place, but the new heaven and new earth, has no end. It can't have an end because God is infinite. Right? And if we're going to live forever, we're going to need a lot to do that's interesting for a long time. Right? By necessity... There is no end to the awesomeness on the other side of this stinky place. All right? So, let's go a little deeper here. So now, we're looking at the chapters. And you'll see the chapters get shorter and more to the point as I develop this series. But things I want to show you. Chapter 1 was the daily grind of life. In every book, it's the daily grind. They're all moping around. Is this all there is? My life stinks. And what about, you know, and And, uh, chapter 2 is the invitation. And in the invitation, the the main character can't say no. Can't say no. And I'm going to tell you right now, a Christian can't, can't say no. All right? I'm going to challenge your thinking on that. So, and then, of course, chapter 3 and 4 is discovering that there is a spiritual world, and very few really see it. Chapter 4 is that you're part of a war in that spiritual uh, world. And then your special calling, and then your old friends who want nothing to do with you, they leave, and then you discover new friends who are special too, and then you, the character finally embraces their calling, embraces it all, and charges forward, and that's usually how book one ends. Okay, And then I'm not going to go into book two, don't worry about it, but the idea is that's, the, that's every major young adult book that's popular, that's book one. You know what's going to happen before it's over, and that that young person is special, and they're bringing something up into, you know, to challenge the norm. All right? Now, I'm going to give you it up front, because I want to make sure you get this clearly. And I always like to use the, the Westminster Catechism. It's an awesome teaching tool. But it starts the first thing. It has a question and an answer. What is the chief end of man? Why are we made? What, you know, we just... We popped up one day and we began to realize we're something, somebody in a world that happens to all work together, that we can breathe and communicate, and all this amazing coincidences are all coming together for us. But for what? For this. Man's chief end is to glorify God. 
Well, isn't that kind of selfish of God that He wants glory? Uh, he is the creator of the universe. He is amazingly holy. And to enjoy Him. Believe it or not, the deepest part of the Christian, not the lost person, the Christian is to be in God's presence. Because to be in God's presence is the party of a lifetime. It's the happiest, amazing, super awesomeness of ever is to be with God's pre- in God's presence. Because He's the creator of everything and He's holy and good. All right, and we just go woohoo to be in His presence, and you can't you can't get bored of being in God's presence. Now, a lot of people, if you've seen cartoons, especially in the older Bugs Bunny cartoons, what happens when the characters die? Right, they're floating up in a cloud and they got wings, right, and they're plucking a harp. And even as a kid, I'm thinking that's boring. That's not real heaven. Real heaven is like going to Disneyland, drinking a you know Coca-Cola or Monster Energy drink, right, and downing chocolate. Whatever it is that makes you the most happy, heaven's way, 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 way better than that. Okay? So, now we're going to get into chapter 2. The invitation. The invitation for the Christian, you can't say no. Circumstances, everything is in play that you are now beginning to take a step into incredible awesomeness. Now, this is true even for the men here in this room. You've had this calling before. You've had these desires as a young person. And believe it or not, it's still in you. It's still there. Um, Something happened and there's no turning back. Some of the details of this, well, first let's, get, let's look at our, uh, all the popular movies or, and books out there. Remember the Princess Diary books? They made a movie, Walt Disney made a movie of it. And uh, 14-year-old Maya is trying to lead a normal life as a teenager, realizes her dad's a prince of Genova, and then she has to learn to be a princess. She had no choice in it. She's just doing her thing, trying to be an American, and voila, she's a princess in another country. She's got to go do it. And she, at first, it struggles, it's changed, it's different, and then she embraces it in the end. Uh, I have no idea, I never read the book series, but that's a synopsis, the Gamma Doyle trilogy. After the suspicious death of her mother, 16-year-old Jemina, whatever I say that, returns to England after many years in India to attend a finishing school. There she becomes aware of her magical powers and the ability to see into the spiritual world. But what will she find in that strange world? Okay, She realizes she has something that's making her different than everyone else. She has no choice. Boom! Same thing with the Maze Runner. That's a guy, believe it or not. And they made a movie out of that. I think they made two movies out of that. 16-year-old Thomas wakes up in the middle of a maze with no memory and realizes he must work with the community in which he finds himself in, if, he, if he is to escape. And once he escapes, he discovers the outside world is a new and dangerous place. See? It's the same thing. Same thing. Every time. Bam, 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 bam. Why? Because that speaks into it. We've already talked about Katniss there. This is when she's, you know, the weird, that's the weirdo adult, right? Really dysfunctional. Harry Potter, we knows what happens with him. He's, he's under the stairwell. And first, let's wait for Spider-Man to show up. Yeah! Okay, now, <laughs> now let's go back to Harry Potter for a second. Harry Potter, he's hiding in his, in his closet under the stairwell, and an owl delivers the letter. 
and the, his, the people protecting him take the letter and they throw it up. No, oh, he ain't going to get that invitation. He can't get it. The next day, a whole bunch of owls show up and a gazillion letters show up and they're flying everywhere and the adults can't stop it. He's getting invited to go to school and no one's going to stop him from getting there. Same with Spider-Man. He's just a happy little nerd guy taking pictures of pretty girls and he gets bit by a radioactive spider. He had no choice. He becomes super strong and awesome and beats up the jocks. All right? They had no choice. It's going to happen one way or the other, whether they like it or not. And that's the whole point of the invitation. And believe it or not, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Let's take a look at that. For the Christian, you realize that Jesus Christ is not a religion. There's nothing that Jesus Christ and religion, there's no connection Religious people do things to get to heaven. Christians rely on Jesus Christ's work to get them to heaven. It's totally flip-flop. Christians don't come to church because they have to in order to satisfy a checklist. They come to church because Jesus Christ died for them, and now the only response is love. Do you understand how that's flip-flop? Of all your family... yeah. Uh, The highest calling in all humanity is to serve and follow Jesus. That's the highest calling. Remember, all humans are made. And then the highest level of existence you could be is to follow Jesus. All your friends, family, and neighbors, of all your friends, family, and neighbors, you are called to be different, to live different, to act different. And there's something about the Bible, something about Jesus and God that's just yummy. I remember the first time I got interested in the Bible. It was weird. Clearly it wasn't me. I'm riding home on the school bus in Maine, right? Clams and things are rattling. And I wanted to... First grade! First graders don't have this thought. I wanted to read the Bible. The first time ever. I was like, I want to know what's in the Bible. And so I get home thinking, and there on the table which has never been there before, was the big golden family Bible. It's this thick and this big, right? And back in the 70s or 60s, it was a popular thing for the family to buy a big, expensive Bible. You actually had to make payments on it to get this Bible. It was your family heirloom, right? Big, big pictures and big words. So as a first grader, I went and opened it up. And just started to read in some strange language with thousand those, and I'm like, and it was just solid words. And it's like, that was the end of my interest in reading the Bible. <laughs> I got about two words into it, and like, I don't even know what language this is. Okay. But the Christian calling, something to know, it's impossible to try Christianity. I was once applying for a job with a newspaper up in Maine, and I was a new Christian, 22, 23 years old, brand new Christian, and telling them I was working with a youth group and whatnot, and they said, oh yeah, we tried Jesus before. We tried. And they didn't hire me because they were uncomfortable knowing that I was a Christian. And I was a baby Christian. I didn't even realize what I was experiencing at the time, other than them going, oh yeah, we, we tried that. We, and it's like, nobody tries Jesus. Nobody tries Christianity because Christianity is not a religion to test. It's the next phase of development of a human being. That's like saying, yeah, I tried to lose my baby teeth. It didn't work. So I decided to keep them. What? 
you know, I tried to go into this freshman grade, you know, freshman's right, freshman, that's right. Um, but it didn't work. No, 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 no. You, you don't try to do these things. I tried not to turn 20, but it didn't work. You don't, you just grow up. For Christians, it's the second phase of being a human. All right? Here's your organic birth. You were born. Again, how many of you scheduled your birth? I'm going to be born when I'm, when, uh, when cartoons are awesome. I won't be born until cartoons are awesome. Right? Is that what you guys scheduled? Did you schedule your birth? No, of course not. See? She would have waited for unicorns to be around before she was born. Okay. Here's what the Bible says. Born again. It's the second phase for, for human's purpose. Jesus answered him. This is in John chapter 3, 3 through 8. Truly, truly. Now this is Jesus. This is God. So when Jesus says, truly, truly, twice, do you think he's trying to tell us something important? Yes. Yes. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus, I skipped that verse, said, what? Just like that. And Jesus answered, truly, truly, he said it again. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said this to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit." Let me point this out. Jesus saying, babies are born to mommies, flesh to flesh, but the Holy Spirit brings somebody to life in their spirit. It's a second birth, and it's separate, but not everybody gets it because Jesus says you don't know who God's going to bring to life. It's random. Yesterday, the kids and I were in Cumberland, and a church there had a great, awesome evangelistic outreach and gave away over 900 backpacks to the local community. There was about seven or 800 people there, and we came at the end of it. There was a guy giving the gospel presentation on the stage, giving his own testimony, how in jail he came to Christ and was living for Jesus. Were the crowds there listening? Were people saying, I want Jesus? Nope. They are over there waiting for their free backpack. (laughs) Most of those people did not care that this man was telling them about the meaning and purpose of life, the universe, and everything. They wanted their free backpack so they could go. They liked the games. They appreciated everything. But they did not care about Jesus, and they didn't care what that guy had to say. All those chairs were empty in front of that stage. Right, just scattered, right. They're all over there wanting that free backpack. Most people don't care. And they can't care, and they don't want to care. Well, look at that. You can't be unborn. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, not you. To be born again and become what you were meant to be is the most amazing and exciting step in your life. For some, it's subtle. For others, it's dramatic. It does not depend on your age, whether you're a young person or an old person. For me, 
I was kind of older. I think I was 12 when my dad told me, hey, you know, if you really want to be serious about Jesus, he didn't tell me to go to church. He said, let Jesus take control of your life. Yield to him. Say, Jesus, be my leader. Take control of my life. Be the captain. And that's what I did. And then it wasn't until I was in my 20s before someone actually brought a Bible out and said, hey, look at this. This should start making sense to you. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is amazing stuff. The Bible really says this? Why didn't anybody tell me? And I was really mad at the Christian church for not telling me. No Christian came along and said that until God sent one crazy Christian who could finally reach me. Okay? But it's the most amazing, incredible thing. I remember one time I was drawing a comic book. I had a comic in a, in a newspaper. So I went to the local fair because I was looking for content for my cartoon character. And I was walked around the fair and... There's these two guys. One was a big, tall fellow. Looked like an English general, right? Gray hair, the big beard, big man. And next to him was someone who looked right out of the 50s. He had the slicked hair and everything. He looked like he should have been singing some songs or something. So I walked up to them and started a conversation. Just, you know, in 20, whatever. Looking for stories for my cartoon character. It turns out that was a pastor and a deacon of the local church that I ended up going to for several years. Well, what an amazing coincidence. Of all the people there I could have talked to, I talked to those two. They weren't, they weren't at a booth. They weren't evangelizing. They were just there. So, um, now we're going to look at Ephesians for a little bit. This is from the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So Paul's getting ready to tell them some juicy stuff. And he's saying, check this out. Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'm getting ready to, we're going to look at the scripture here and we're talk about magic, talk about power, talk about awesome stuff. Take a look about what we're what we're gonna read. Okay? This comes from Ephesians. This is so beefy. Hold on to your heads, because I'm gonna give you some juicy information. Ephesians four, one through six. Look at this. God, Jesus, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be unholy and blameless before him. Let's stop there. God, he, God, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before God made the universe, he looked out into this room and chose who's going to be his before he built the universe. He already decided who he was going to rescue from the universe. Do you understand? That's exactly what it means. And he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Where in this two verses does it say your will? Nowhere. Because if we didn't have Jesus rescuing us, our will would be no. I don't want Jesus. I don't want God. I don't want to go to heaven. I just want to be a big poopy. Because that's what humanity wants. 
If they didn't, if they wanted Jesus, they would be at church this morning, wouldn't they? This church would be filled with people out the doors waiting to hear gospel truth. Instead, they'd rather sleep in and mow their lawn instead of being here, right? They don't want Jesus. They're not predestined. They don't care. But predestined means God looked down the corridors of time and history and chose you. Not on anything you did. Nothing. He says, I'm going to rescue you because I love you. And that's enough of a reason, period. Now, you and I should be saying, yeah, but I've done a lot, 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 bad. Yes, you did. And that's why I put Jesus on the cross to pay for your bad. Got it? And why did he do this? To the praise of his glorious grace. Glorious grace. Now, you know what? You can't define grace unless you first know what justice is. Justice means God owes us to punish us for being bad. Alright? But, grace means giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy means not giving us what we do deserve. Does that make sense? It's all based on what we deserve. Okay? I'm just looking at see how, how many people are still with me, though I know how to edit this sermon. All right. So what did he do? Uh, how did he do it? Now look, this is where the cross comes into play. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, trespasses means sins, according to the riches of his grace, giving us what we don't deserve, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and understanding and insight. He lavished His love on us. Lavish means He didn't just say, I'll take it, Evan. That's good enough. Good. No, it means He just went out of His way to love us and justice, giving us all this amazing goodness, fun, pleasure, greatness. And it's all through Jesus. So it means that what this means, redemption means we deserve to be punished forever, but God punished Jesus instead of us. And so all our bad goes to Jesus and God punishes him. Then all of Jesus' good is credited to our account like we did all the good Jesus did, but we didn't. He credits it to our account. So now God the Father can say, not guilty. Yeah, but I did bad. You trusted in Jesus, you're no longer guilty ever. You're no longer guilty. You'll always get the goodies of God. The forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Is that making sense? We're almost done. Hang in there, boys and girls. Okay, God also tells you His big plan. If people out there are going, Ah, you don't know what God wants. No one can ever tell for sure if they're going to heaven. Nobody really knows. Uh, Well, then why do we have Ephesians? Why do we have the Bible? Ephesians 1, 9 and 10, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. He wants us to know. And two more things i got to tell you. You can't lose it. You cannot not go to heaven. If you trusted Jesus and are relying on Him to take you to heaven, you cannot lose it. You could go out of here and sin the biggest sin you could ever sin, 
and you'd still go to heaven. What do you think of that? That's how big God's saving grace is. Now, how can I say that? I can say that because God says that. God planned it. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. In Him, Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance. Now, just to obtain an inheritance means, you know, you hear that someone who passed away and they had a fortune and all of a sudden you get some of it, you were written in the will, you didn't have nothing to do about it, but you got something good out of it. We got it anyway. Having been predestined, this is why, this is all part of God's plan, according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Alright? Now look at this next one. Sealed forever. Okay? Uh, Anyone ever heard of a wedding ring? Or engagement rings, maybe? There you go. All right. That's a seal. That's a promise of a commitment. This is how God gives us a promise of commitment in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The ring that God gives us is literally His Spirit indwells us. We're born again, we're brought back to life, and that can, can never be changed. The Holy Spirit cannot leave you because the transaction's paid in full. For God to leave you would make God a not very godly God. All right? He can't leave you. He's, you his, the deal's done. You belong to Him. You can't go back. And it is the guarantee, the guarantee that you're going to heaven. It's a video game you can't lose. That's why adults, have you ever seen your kids play video games and they're fearless? You know, and they jump off the cliffs. I'll just regenerate and keep going. And we and adults, we're playing it. We're like, no! Oh! And the kid's like, just, just play it again. Oh, yeah, just play it again. Right? My dad broke two or three of our Atari joysticks with uh, uh, Missile Command and Pac-Man because he's like, I wanted it to go down! Arrgh! That was my dad, right? And that's Pac-Man. Now again, nowadays, the games are 3D first person. Who is our guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Remember how we said it's for the enjoyment of God, for the praise of His glory. Isn't that cool? We're almost done. Hang in there, boys and girls. Saved from being a zombie. Once born again, uh, only born once, not born again. All right? Everybody who's not born again by the Holy Spirit, they're zombies. If you want to know what a real life zombie looks like, look at the person who doesn't like God. They say and do the stupidest things. They couldn't make a right decision if you tattooed it on their forehead so they could read it in a mirror. They still couldn't make the right decision because they don't want to make the right decision. They want to be bad. Anyone see how the White House was colored in multiple colors just a few weeks ago? The very leaders of this country snubbed their nose at God and says, Oh, your moral code says this? Well, we say this and God, look, we're winning. Has God blown up the White House yet? Is evil winning? No, it's not. But Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. 
Dead means how many dead people? If you throw a, a life preserver out to a dead guy floating in the water, are they going to grab it? No, they're going to float along with the life preserver, right? Has anyone ever done the dead man's float in a swimming pool? It's really fun. We used to, we used to have a round swimming pool and we'd make, it go, make a whirlpool. As fast as we could, we'd get like five, maybe eight or nine kids in there and we'd make this massive whirlpool and then we'd just float and let it drift us around and we'd bump off the sides. It was great. Right? We did the dead man's float. Dead people don't go, I want Jesus! Every time Jesus comes around, they do what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They go, ah! and they run. They run from goodness. They run from holiness and morality. All right? And look what the Bible says about us. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in passions of, the, of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. These zombies will be punished because they hate God and they hate Jesus. All right? But God rescued us. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love for which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, right? We're floating in the water. We're dead. God throws us a lifeline, right? And the, and the life preserver. But dead people can't grab that. As a matter of fact, if the dead people could do anything, they'd push it away. All right? No, but God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us up in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show His immeasurable... Look at this! His immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Right? So here we are floating in the water. The life preserver is done. And then God comes down and makes us alive. Boom! And we go... And we grab the life preserver and God pulls us into this super awesome luxury Disney cruiser. Right? And then the party begins. Right? And we have a great time. And then this immeasurable riches of His grace begins. And it just gets better and better and better. That's what the Bible says. And it's an undeniable call. Undeniable. Nobody says no to God and has a free will. The only people who have a free will are the ones who say yes. Because being evil is not an ability. All right? John chapter 6, 36 through, uh, 30, uh, 63 through 65. It is the Spirit who gives life. Who gives life? You or me? Or the Spirit? It is the Spirit who gives life. Look, it is the Spirit who gives life. Wait, who gives us life? Spirit! The flesh, is that good? If we try our best, the flesh is no help at all. Is our flesh helping us? No. No, the Bible says the flesh is no help at all. Is it help a little bit? No. No, it says it's no help at all. Right? The flesh is getting in the way. Right? I had to put on my contacts to get here. The flesh is so much in the way, I couldn't even see you unless we had a way to correct my eyeballs to see you because the flesh is getting in the way. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but, these are, but there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would who did not believe and who it is who would betray him. And Jesus said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Jesus preached the gospel in these chapters, right here in this chapter, Jesus preached and a whole bunch of people said, I want nothing to do with you, Jesus, and they left. Matter of fact, that is John chapter 666 is the one verse where it said, and after that many of the disciples left because they couldn't take his teaching anymore. God saved you. You did not let God save you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Remember, the flesh is no help at all. So here's the heart question. How about you? Do you want something more than you see everybody else doing? Even as a teenager, and I was looking at the adults around me, I'm thinking, they don't, I had to be a teenager before I had enough brain cells to see this, but like, it ain't all adding up here. These adults ain't necessarily saying what they're doing, doing what they're saying. I'm seeing flaws in this authority base that I'm supposed to be, you know, teenagers, right? Aren't they a lot of fun? They challenge us and everything, right? And I'm beginning, that's when I began to realize, they don't have it all together. Hmm... Are they trustworthy? And then as a youth pastor, I had a lot of teens who would even question, is the Bible true? My science teacher says evolution's true, but God says he did it in six days. Who's lying? Who's telling the truth? I got one Christian trying to tell me that you can fit the both together. Well, which is more reliable, the scientist or Genesis chapters 1 through 11? I was told the scientists know better than God, but now as an adult... God knows way more than any goofball adult will ever know. And God can count better than all those scientists in their white lab coats. God can do science much better than them. All right? Do you want your life to be something awesome? Do you have, you know, you can actually have your deepest desires met. Whatever you think it is, is the yummiest things. That pathway to that is through God. Are you raising your hand? Yes. Something you really, 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 really want. Like a unicorn? Like a unicorn, yes. (laughs) Now, I did not say sinful desires, not responding to Caitlin's question, but your deepest desires. Okay? The only way to really find that yumminess is through Jesus. In order to truly embrace life, you have to give up your life for Jesus. And look what Jesus says in John chapter 10, 7 through 10. Look at this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly. Hey, wait a minute. Here's Jesus, God who can't lie, saying again to us, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now look at this. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Christian life is the most exciting life you will ever have, ever. It'll sometimes be scary and hurt and full of pain. Sometimes it'll be a blessing and amazing, but it'll be completely full. 
But you must ask Jesus to be your king. He has to be your boss. He has to be your leader. You must trust him to forgive you of your sins and you must follow him now and for the rest of your life. There is only one way. It's through Jesus. And one slide left. And look at this. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. A lot of people got their own plans and their own agendas. I'm going to live my own life, my own way, for my own purposes, and they will lose their life. But whoever loses his life for Jesus will find it. That's the key. And now, if, if all the stuff was given to you and you didn't care, then that's a bad sign. This, this, is, this is the secret to life, the universe, and everything. This is it. And this is the last slide, too. Um, this is what it's all about. Your purpose, the great command, the great commission. You've got to have a Bible. You've got to know how to read your Bible. You've got to know how to share your Bible. You've got to make sure that you hang out with other Christians. You've got to want the things that God wants. Only a Christian has those desires growing in them. A lost person does not care. But that's it. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the clear, clear, clarity of your teaching. And that, boy, you got big, awesome things planned for those who love you. I hope everybody here really, really wants you and your big, awesome plan and trusts in you and lives for you because that's where the awesomeness is. And we ask, Father, that we would see more people throughout Papa, our friends, family, and neighbors. Holy Spirit, that you would bring them to life, that they could grab hold of the, the lifesaver and that they would be saved from hell, Father. Please. And even use us to bring them that good news. But help us all to know that this is the most important thing in all the world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakandeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakandeacon.com. Truth is here.